الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الذين قالوا ربنا الله ثم استقاموا تتنزل عليهم الملائكه الا تخافوا ولا تحزنوا ولا تحزنوا وابشروا بالجنه التي كنتم توعدون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من احب لقاء الله احب الله لقاءه ومن كره لقاء الله كره الله لقاءه او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected ulama ikram brothers and elders this ayat of the quran sharif that was recited a person's journey from dunya to akhirat is described the journey of that person who lived his his life in this dunya in a way that he earned the entry to jannat he pleased allah tabarak wa taala so when this is the case then how will he go through and after all this is the ultimate whatever else happens in dunya no matter what a person achieved or didn't achieve in terms of dunya somebody was a street sweeper somebody was an industrialist somebody didn't go past his own village and little rural farm somebody reached the moon but all that doesn't mean anything when one considers that if in the akhirat if a person didn't gain the pleasure of allah taala didn't gain entry into jannat then all this is of no benefit to anybody you know whether he reaches the moon or not whether he earned the whole dunya or not won't make any difference because he lost everything and if he gained jannat then to it don't matter whether he was a street sweeper or whether he was somebody who didn't go out of his own village or wherever it was because he couldn't afford to go anywhere it didn't matter because he gained the ultimate and that is what the focus has to always remain on that what is the ultimate where do i need to reach the ultimate is to gain the pleasure of allah tabarak wa taala wa ridwanum min allah akbar the pleasure of allah taala is the ultimate and the manifestation of this pleasure of allah taala to its highest level for insan will be in jannat so allah taala says in this ayat of the quran sharif that innal ladina qalu rabbunallah that those who say rabbunallah meaning they believe in allah taala believing in allah taala is not just a dry belief is not just something which is a theory the belief of a mu'min is something really living it's a force it's something that drives him but the issue is it's to be developed to that point one is the aqeedah the faith that is absolutely essential 
that a person has the correct aqidah and belief. And here again, this is a very, very dangerous situation that we sometimes put ourselves in, our children put themselves in, and a person doesn't even realize what's going on under his nose sometimes. Where people are reading anything and everything, reading all kinds of literature, all kinds of things that are coming through the social media, things which are sometimes far away from the correct aqidah, but presented in a very, very captivating manner. And fundamental aspects of deen are sometimes distorted. And people just take it. And then because of reading anything and everything, listening to anything and everything, let alone what is coming in the guise of deen, but even beyond that, people reading books of philosophy and whatever else, and there's such a confusion in the mind thereafter, that as a result of that confusion, many a person is losing his iman. person is completely confused about realities of life, then he makes such statements, which statements are kufr. Sometimes it's better not even to quote those statements, because shaitan uses that as a means of creating waswasa in the person who never heard it before. But this is a, such a common situation, and the thing is, every person is feeling himself more than capable of picking up anything to read, listening to anything. Whereas this is something that we have to be very cautious about. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an, I mean, who could have, who can ever compare in this time and age to have even one iota of the insight that he had? One iota of the knowledge that he possessed. And despite all this, on one occasion, somebody gave him some parts of the Torah. And so he was reading through it, not that he had any kind of uh, attachment to it in the sense that he's believing everything that is in, in it. But he brought it and came to Rasulullah and he says that somebody gave me this and he began reading from it. And he is not realizing that Nabi Islam's face is changing color. He's becoming extremely upset. He's becoming red with anger. Until somebody said to him that, can you see what's going on? When he realized that what he is doing is wrong because Nabi Islam is taking this very, very seriously, he's upset at it. He immediately stopped and he said, Raditu billahi rabba, abil islami dina, abi muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabiya. I'm totally, my heart is completely content with Allah Ta'ala being my Rabb. Raditu billahi rabba. Islam as being my deen. And Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam being my Nabi. I have no reservation in this whatsoever. In other words, this was just something, by the way, I just... Not that I had any kind of preference given to this. But Nabi Sallallahu didn't tolerate that. And he said to him, Laukana Musa wa Isa hayyain lama wasi'ahumma illa tiba'i that if Musa alayhi salam and Isa alayhi salam, in some narrations only Musa alayhi salam is mentioned, some both are mentioned. That if they were alive today also, they would have to follow me. So in other words, is not the Quran Sharif and what I am giving you sufficient for you? Why are you now taking something else? Why are you even looking into it? Now that I have brought the Quran Sharif from Allah Ta'ala, and I have opened out the Quran Sharif in its explanation and given you the explanation, 
what need you have to still look into something else? So the same thing applies to us, that when we have the authentic explanations of those who learned this knowledge from their asatiza, from their teachers, who in turn learnt it from their teachers in this unbroken chain all the way up to Rasulullah And they presented it in his pristine purity and for ages people have moved on the same path, have held on to this and have safely moved on. They didn't have any confusion in their iman. They didn't have any confusion in their amal. They didn't have any confusion in their hearts about anything because they were following a very clear, straight path and mashallah thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions moved on in this manner and they reached the destination safely. Now we want to try and, as they say, reinvent the wheel. But in reinventing the wheel, we are going somewhere in another track. So this is something extremely important that a person should be very, in fact, without having any misgivings about anything, but to have to still be very, very safe, he sticks to one thing. And sticks to those books, that literature which the ulama kiram have endorsed as being totally authentic. And just keeps to that. That's sufficient. Doesn't have to go into too many details. So in any case, in this ayat Allah Ta'ala is saying, Inna ladina qalu rabbun Allah. Those who say our Rabb is Allah Ta'ala. This is not just merely a declaration. It's an entire belief that he is accepting. In all the aspects that Allah Ta'ala wants him to have complete iman in. He believes in Allah Ta'ala, in all his names, in all his attributes. He believes in all the fundamentals of deen. He believes in whatever Allah Ta'ala has given us in the Qur'an Sharif. Whatever Rasulullah has delivered to us from Allah Ta'ala, he has complete iman. Now what is this level of aqidah and belief? So mashallah, every single person sitting here, Allah Ta'ala out of his grace and mercy has blessed us with this. This is only His grace, only His favor. But that alone is not sufficient to take a person directly to Jannat. He's got the aqidah and belief, it will eventually, certainly take him to Jannat. If he left safely from dunya with this aqidah, in all the aspects of deen, the correct aqidah. But that alone is not sufficient to take him directly to Jannat. What is necessary is that that aqidah has to be now built up and developed to the level of consciousness. As we said, the aqidah and belief in all the attributes of Allah Taala. So every person, every mu'min, every person with iman in his heart, he has this full faith. Allah Taala is all-knowing. Allah Taala knows everything. Allah Ta'ala knows the deception of the eye and what the heart conceals. Allah Ta'ala is all-knowing. He's all-seeing. Allah Ta'ala is, has full knowledge of what is inside the heart, what is lurking in there. Allah Ta'ala is aware of every single atom in the universe. وَلَا حَبَّةٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَا رَتْبٍ وَلَا يَابِسٍ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ One single leaf throughout the universe, any leaf falls from any tree, Allah Ta'ala knows about it. Everything is in His knowledge. 
the smallest particle and the smallest atom, the atom-sized particle, whether in the depth of the earth, in the heights of the skies, wherever it may be, Allah Ta'ala knows about it. This aqidah is a belief, every person has this belief, who has iman. But how often it happens that if this iman hasn't been built up to the level of consciousness, to the level of istihzar, then what happens? That a person is confronted with a situation, with some temptation. So what is he doing? He's turning to look behind his shoulder. Is anybody around? Or he's just sometimes walking out to see if the door is locked. Or he's sometimes planning that where I can go and do the haram. And he's going into elaborate preparations of where he can go and do it in a way that he won't get discovered. So what is the problem? The problem is that the aqidah, though it is there, it hasn't been developed to the point of consciousness, to the point of istihzar, consciousness. That when he is confronted with that temptation, he is only immediately turning to this one reality in his heart. Allah Ta'ala is all-knowing. Allah Ta'ala is all-seeing. Where am I going to go? Can I hide from him? On Buzruk, there were many who had been in his company for a long time. Then one newcomer came along. And in a short while, this newcomer was now, so to say, promoted onwards. Was given ijazat. So some of the others started, not openly, but the facial expressions was already giving it away that they're questioning this. Doubting it that this fellow came yesterday and how come he just surpassed us? So, shaitan whispers all these kind of things in people's hearts and all this is meant to try and derail a person from his objective. The person's objective is to reach Allah Ta'ala. So that is where he is supposed to be focused on. If somebody else is traveling at double the speed or half the speed or whatever, his focus is supposed to be where he is going. Where else, somebody else is going at what speed is going? Why is that now supposed to be his issue? In any case, this happens due to the whisperings of shaitan. So now, the sheikh recognized this, immediately discerned it. So he didn't say anything. After a day or two passed and this whole situation sort of cleared out from the minds, suddenly he called everybody and he gave each one a live chicken and gave him one knife. And he said, now you go and slaughter it each one must go and slaughter it where nobody is watching and come back with the slaughtered chicken. So everybody disappeared in different directions and after a short while some started returning with the slaughtered chicken. Eventually everybody came. But this one person who others now were questioning his progress, he took a very long time to come. And whereas everybody else came with that slaughtered chicken, he came with it back alive. So now that became a further point now. Everybody is now looking at one another and so to say talking without saying much. Without saying anything in fact. But a lot is being exchanged. Look at this. Bichara can't understand a simple instruction. Go and slaughter this. Where nobody is watching. After so long he makes everybody wait and then he comes back with it alive. So first... Sheikh asked the others, where you slaughtered it? He says, I went behind that wall where nobody was there. Where you went, I went behind that very thick bush. Nobody could see there. 
and where you went, I went certain place where nobody was seeing. And each person gave his story. And then eventually he came to this person and first in a very harsh tone, can't you understand a simple instruction? Go and slaughter it where nobody can see. Everybody did it. Why you didn't do it? So he kept quiet. He said, but why you didn't do it? He says, your instruction was where nobody is watching. But wherever I went, I was so conscious, but Allah is watching. Allah is watching, so how can I fulfill this instruction of slaughtering it when nobody is watching? Wherever I go, Allah is watching. Now this was the lesson that the Sheikh meant to give everybody else, that this is the consciousness that is required. Now one is the external side of things, mashallah, that too is required, and that too is necessary. But developing this iman to the level of consciousness, and when it develops to the level of consciousness, then the next aspect which is commanded in this ayat becomes a reality. That now when the person is forever conscious of Allah wa ta'ala, the very famous incidents that we keep discussing, Ibn Umar ta'ala an, in the desert sees that shepherd and asks for milk, and the person declines, he says, I can't give you milk, this is not mine, I'm only the shepherd. The goats belong to the master. So to test him, he says, okay, give me one goat, I'll pay you for it. You pocket the money, I'll take the goat along, I'll have the milk. And then if the master asks, you might just say one wolf came and ate it up, not uncommon, happens from time to time. He was testing him to see now, okay, this person is saying it's not his, he can't give it, how genuine is he? But as soon as he put forward this proposition to him, now that consciousness, he had developed his iman to the level of consciousness. His immediate response, فَأَيْنَ Allah. You are saying, you must tell my master that what wolf came and ate it up, just lie about it and pocket the money. Is Allah not watching? Is Allah not away? Can I hide from Allah Ta'ala? Can I deceive Allah Ta'ala? So this is the need and this is the effort that we have to make that we can sometimes hide from many things. From many people in dunya we can hide. We can hide from our families. We can hide from our parents maybe. We can hide from others in society. person instead of now doing something where he is known, so he can go far away to China and do something else. He can go anywhere else in the world and feel that, well, I am a totally unknown person here, so who's who's watching? But when it comes to the level of istihzar, then he won't think in that way. But if he's not there, then he will think in this way, that I can hide from these people, I can hide from my family, I can have everything locked. I can have everything password protected. But Allah forbid that when Allah wills and a person despite having given, been given the chance, that rope of respite was given to him. But he ignored it and took it for granted that everything is going so well for me, I am enjoying life so much. Why should now I bother too much about all these things? So the end result comes that suddenly that rope is then pulled out. That respite is taken away. Then he forgets to put the password on. At a very, very crucial time, he'll forget to put the password. At the time when he just left and gone far away, he forgot the phone at home too and he forgot the password too. And then everything like a can of very big worms opens out. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. Nobody should be looking down upon anybody else. We have no right to look down upon anybody. But at the same time, these are realities. And the remedy to all these situations is developing this iman to the level of consciousness. And what is going to bring this among many, many things that are necessary? 
Among the many things that are necessary, the two very crucial things is zikr and fikr. Zikr and fikr. Sometimes we, mashallah, are making some zikr also. But that zikr also is sometimes done in a very, very haphazard manner. That too is not devoid of benefit. Not devoid of benefit. The name of Allah Ta'ala is very great. The Gangwe Rahmatullah one person said to him that I make my zikr but I just can't keep any concentration in it. And my mind is gone somewhere else. Now this is not meant to say that carry on in this manner and don't bother to change it. But at the same time to keep the person continuing or whatever is happening still. Otherwise he'll drop everything. He said to him and he spelt out the reality actually. He said look this too is a great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala is allowing your tongue to take his name. And Allah Ta'ala's name is so great that no matter how absent-mindedly a person took the name of Allah Ta'ala, it is still not devoid of benefit. But it is obvious that a person taking the name of Allah Ta'ala with consciousness, with love and muhabbat, then he had the opportunity of earning a million rands a minute, he settled for maybe thousand rands a minute. Now that was his choice. If he put that heart into it, he put that consciousness into it, he did it with the love of Allah Ta'ala, then he just escalated the value by the billions. So one is the zikr of Allah Ta'ala being done with diligence, daily. Daily, the ma'amulat, the prescriptions that we have been given, or at least the masnoon tasbihat, the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. Now this is all extremely necessary to develop this iman to the level of istihzar this consciousness. Otherwise that aqidah is there, alhamdulillah. And this too is a very great thing. It's the key to jannat. But we don't go via anything else. We don't go via jahannam, nauzubillah. Allah Ta'ala protect us. We don't go via the azab of the qabr. We don't want to even go via the azab in dunya. In dunya all kinds of conditions come. Some come as tests. But sometimes it comes as azab. It all depends on what we are doing. What we have brought upon ourselves. Sometimes it's a test to raise a person. And if he is disobedient to Allah Ta'ala, it comes as a wake-up call. And it sometimes comes as a azab to wake him up out of his slumber. وَلَنُذِيقَنَّهُمْ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَدْنَى دُونَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَكْبَرِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Allah Ta'ala says, will give a small bit of the azab to make them return. So this aqidah is definitely very great but to now develop it to the level of this consciousness. The person is in his business, he's conscious of Allah Ta'ala. He's at home, he's provoked by some situation, but he's conscious of Allah Ta'ala. So what comes of his tongue is what will be probably said in the presence of somebody who he respects very greatly. If there's somebody standing there at that time, who he respects very greatly, his ustad, sheikh, whatever, so how will he talk? Now he's provoked, he's still provoked. But how will he talk? Will he say now anything and everything? Will he start blurting out all kinds of vulgarity? He'll talk carefully. He might even reprimand still. But he'll talk carefully. So now that consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, that nobody else is there, but Allah Ta'ala is aware. So now he's provoked, but he'll be conscious of Allah Ta'ala. His tongue will say that which Allah Ta'ala is, pleased with, within the limits of the shariat of Allah Ta'ala. 
he is walking on the street, he is conscious of Allah Ta'ala. So now his gaze will be in a way that he doesn't earn the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. He is sitting in his own private time and space, nobody else is around, whatever the case is, but he is conscious of Allah Ta'ala. And whether he is in public or in privacy, his heart is conscious of Allah Ta'ala. He is not cooking all kinds of things in his heart. Now all this will be dependent on this Iman being developed to the level of consciousness. And this one is the aspect of Zikr. Together with the Zikr is Fikr. This Fikr, we can call it Muraqaba, meditating, pondering, that a person is daily giving some time to reflect, to ponder, where am I headed to? Do I know how far I am from my Qabr? It could be seconds, it could be minutes, Allah knows, it could be a day. Have I prepared for that? Am I ready to move on? If suddenly life has to come, start leaving me now, what's my position? Every day he's sitting and giving it some thought, some way is going to jerk him into action. Let me get everything sorted out. Let me get my khazas sorted out. I'm owing people money, let me get that sorted out. I have things to sort out in terms of relationships. Let me get that sorted out. Because suddenly life will come to an end. It's all done. i got no chance left. But what will bring this into action? This figure. Sitting down and pondering. What is the level of my Iman? Why am I just carrying on casually like this? Without any concern. He's talking to himself within his heart. Meditating. Pondering. Pondering over death. Pondering over how he's going to meet Allah Ta'ala. Pondering over various other realities of life. This will start creating this consciousness because now he is connecting his heart to Allah Ta'ala. Now, when this happens, Allah Ta'ala says, qalu And then they are steadfast. They are not wavering. One day in something, if it is the strong end of the week, then he's fine. And if it's the weak end, then he's suddenly falling down. Because not on the strong end of things. It's on the weekend. So now Salah is, Fajr Salah is now suddenly a big problem for him. Whereas the whole week he was fine. And if it becomes an even weaker end, the end of the year, the holiday comes, then the whole deen becomes a holiday. Then Haya, Haya is on holiday also. Everything becomes now lax. Salah with Jama, we'll see later. So what is the problem? The problem is that this Iman again was not developed to the level of consciousness. So this Istiqamat was now not there. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, bring this Iman to the level of consciousness. And then remain steadfast on Istiqamat. So when a person has developed these two things, then now the way forward is open for him. And that day must come when every person has to leave. So Allah Ta'ala now describes how that will happen. That the time will come when he is now have to pass on from dunya. He'll still be in dunya, but he's already in one leg out. So his the veils of akhirat are now lifted off. What others cannot see, he can start seeing. He can start seeing the angels descending, the angels of rahmat, the angels coming with all that glad tidings. Allah takhafu wala tahzanu. He can start hearing them. He's not gone totally from dunya. He's still here. People are watching him sometimes. 
Sometimes they're watching him tossing and turning to. They're thinking maybe he's in pain. But if he was somebody very close to Allah Ta'ala, that is not a time that he's in pain. It is that ruh and soul that is fluttering, wanting to leave quickly. For what it's seeing. But the angels are keeping it back there. It's not the appointed moment yet. There's still a few minutes left to go. But that ruh is now so eager to move on. Because this glad tidings are already coming. Allah ta'khafu. You've got nothing to fear. person normally fears something that is still to come. He fears the future. Wala tahzanu. And nothing to grieve about. A person grieves over the past. You will not have any grief. Because when you go ahead, what you see, you will have no grief left of, the, of what past. But a person who goes to some difficulty, now he's going to grieve what he left behind. But when you enter something better, what grief is going to have about the person who gets to Jannat, if he has to look down into dunya, it will look like a piece of, like a dustbin for him. He'll have not even the slightest bit of inclination that I should have a chance to go back into it. So the angels now are talking to him. He's still in dunya. He's still alive. But he's already one step in the akhirat. His ruh is already now about to leave. So now the veils have been removed. Allah ta'khafu. Wa la ta'hzanu. Nothing for you to grieve. Wa abshiru bil jannati allati kuntum tu'adun. And now accept the glad, take the glad tidings of the Jannat which you were promised about. It sounded like a fairy tale to some people. Some said now this Jannat, Jannat, every day we're hearing about this Jannat. Don't know whether Nauzubillah is coming or not too. But now you see it for yourself. And the angels point towards Jannat for him. And he starts seeing the scenes of Jannat. Abshiru bil Jannati kuntum That in dunya you were undergoing whatever situations, you made sabr on all that. You made sabr when you attempted to commit haram and to get in the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. You made sabr and fulfilled all the obligations of Allah wa Ta'ala. You were sent for salah, you performed your salah. You went and took the effort to perform your salah with jama'ah. And all this, you took this pressure upon yourself. You didn't shirk in all this. Now the time, payback time has come. وَأَبْشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُوْعَدُونَ Not just only that. نَحْنُ أَوْلِيَاءُكُمْ we are your companions. Here now, while you're still alive, we are with you. We'll go along with you in Akhirat and keep company for you. Can we imagine the angels now at this crucial moment when a person is now, nobody can, all his family, everybody is all around him, but they're all helpless. Nobody can do anything for him. And here these Nurani makhluk and the sinless creation of Allah Ta'ala here at His help and assistance with the permission of Allah Ta'ala. What more can you want? Now how he lived his dunya thereafter in terms of the worldly things, whether he lived as a billionaire or whether he lived as a pauper, will it matter at that time? That he had nothing to in dunya, he was down and out. At that time, will anything matter of that? Will he even bother about it? That why didn't I have this and that? He'll say, what does it matter? If Allah Ta'ala is now pleased with me, the angels are giving me this glad tidings of Jannah, and I'm going into the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, then even if I didn't have one bit of dunya also, what does it matter? نَحْنُ أَوْلِيَاهُكُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِي أَنفُسُكُمْ وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَدَّعُونَ And now that you are gone into Jannah, so for you in Jannah is whatever you desire. In dunya, you kept on curbing your desires. The desire came, do this, you curbed it. 
The desire came, look at this, you curb that. The desire came, go to that haram place, you trample that desire. The desire came, speak this vulgarity, you suppress that. You carried on curbing your desires in dunya. Now has come the payback time. وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِي أَنفُسُكُمْ For you is whatever your heart desires. وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَدْدَعُونَ And whatever you ask for, you'll be given. Whatever you ask for, you'll be given. And نُزُلًا مِّنْ غَفُورِ الرَّحِيمِ This is the entertainment from Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala. Dunya, a person says, well, so-and-so now has the king or some president or some very big person in dunya has invited me, he really entertained me in a grand style. So a person now is looking so much forward to that invitation, that this is going to be something of his kind. Whereas that bijara is also just as in need as us. This is the entertaining from the side of Allah Ta'ala. Can we imagine? What will be Allah Ta'ala's manner of entertaining his banda? This is what we have to aspire for. This is the jannat we have to work towards. And this is what we have to make this effort for in dunya. All the needs of dunya to the extent of need. Person has to earn his living. He has to fulfill his needs to the extent of need. Allah Ta'ala hasn't forbidden us from enjoying the ni'mats of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala hasn't forbidden us to enjoy the comforts and luxuries. But there is a time that we have dedicated for that. A reasonable amount of time. That time is for it. We have done our work. Then we have to allocate time besides over and above the obligations of deen. Our first salah goes without saying. And to make it as far as possible, unless there is some valid reason, to make it with jama'ah in the masjid. If there is some valid reason for a person is traveling, he is ill, far away from the masjid, whatever other valid reason there may be, that's in his place. Otherwise, salah with jama'ah in the masjid, his day revolves around his salah. His salah doesn't revolve around his business. His salah doesn't revolve around his job, his profession, his whatever else. He programs his day around his salah. And together with that, he's got his time allocated, fixed time, that this is my time for tilawat. This is my time for my zikr and tasbihat. He's got time for his newspaper. He's got time for social media. He's got time, Allah forbid, for looking at all kinds of haram on that phone. He's got time for what not. But did we fix a time for tilawat? Did we fix a time for what has hard? Did we fix some time, one minute, two minutes for that fikr, for that muraqaba, to ponder over that, think about that, that this consciousness comes, just on this consciousness of death, just to round off on this and finish off on this, in the books of hadith, there is one incident mentioned, one narrator, Muhammad ibn Fadl, he is narrating and he is saying that one great muhaddis, Yahya ibn Sa'id, he says, he came to me to ask me about a particular hadith. So when he came to me, so, the first thing he said to me, that look, so and so hadith you heard from certain person, so, that hadith would have reached him via some other chain, so now he wanted to come and hear it from, directly from this person, because he is the closer source. So he came to ask him, please, can you narrate that hadith to me? So he said, very well. So he started narrating. From memory, he immediately started narrating. So as soon as he just started narrating the hadith, he started taking the name of the narrator that he heard it from. 
Yahimna Sa'id said to him, just hold on just one minute. Can you go and bring your book, your notebook, where you recorded it and read it out to me from there? You are presently saying it to me from memory, fine. But I'll be happier if you do it by reading it out of your notebook. So he didn't take any offense. He didn't now feel that, are you doubting my memory? You think I, I don't have... These people, mashallah, had clean hearts. They didn't have all these formalities. They didn't take offense on all small, small things. Now look at this person now. He asked me to say the hadith. I started it off. Now he's telling me, must give me my notebook and come. What do you think about me? He thinks I have no other work in life. He'd rather go do something else. Small, small things, we just get ticked off. Small, trivial things, we say, well, I just, I just flew off the rails. Small things, something happened. They had no formalities in all these things. And their hearts were connected to Allah Ta'ala. They didn't have time to get concerned about all these trivial things. This getting ticked off on small, small things is an indication that we still haven't attached our hearts where it should be. So in any case, when this person said, look, bring your notebook, without any hesitation, he stood up to go and bring it. So perhaps he was in the masjid or something, he stood up to go to his house to bring it. As soon as he stood up, he says, Yahya ibn Sa'id immediately held on to my kurta. I said to him, just hold on. First you give it to me from memory. You first give it to me from memory, then you go and bring your notebook and come. And then read it out to me. Why? I'm just concerned that by the time you go home to bring your notebook and come back, we may never meet each other again for life. Either you are gone, if you are gone, I am now deprived of hearing this hadith from you forever. And if I am gone, I went with one hadith less. Now that consciousness of death, in that moment also, this is a consciousness. This is building this iman to the level of consciousness. And when this consciousness comes now, a person is so conscious of death. So now the temptation comes in front of him, is he going to just go dive into headlong in it? He got an invitation to come to some haram place, he said, okay, he's working out what time he's going to come there and how he's going to reach there. He's worried about whether the next moment he's going to be in the cover. So this is that consciousness. This consciousness requires that we give time to all this, to these amal, to our tilawat, to our zikr, to dua, time for dua. We are, have time to ask many things from many people, asking this supplier and asking something from this customer and asking this from that contact, but asking Allah Ta'ala, some time in the day dedicated to ask Allah Ta'ala. But when a person will inshallah bring all these things, slowly but surely, all these things come in his life, then this will start bringing this iman to the level of consciousness. He will start making an effort on this iman, spending time in the path of Allah Ta'ala, in that environment of deen, consciously and continuously talking about the greatness of Allah Ta'ala. All these things develop this consciousness, being in the company of the Ahlullah, in the company of pious people, all this builds up this iman to the level of consciousness, then it becomes very difficult for shaitan to deviate such a person. becomes very difficult for shaitan to trip such a person out. Insan is insan. Nobody is perfect. The Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam masoom. They are gone. But Allah forbid, if he slips, that consciousness will be on that level, that in that moment he will make tawbah, sincerely, and move out of that. He, if shaitan in that moment made him somehow fall, he won't remain fallen. This will be the barakat of this consciousness. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq and grant us this iman to the level of consciousness and beyond. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.